From the Clark Ford Studio in Oxford, Mississippi, MVW Digital proudly presents the Oxford Exxon Podcast. I'd say thanks for tuning in, but why am I going to give you a round of applause for something you're supposed to do, to be frank? And now, here are your hosts, Chase Parm. And broadcast school has really paid off. And Neil McCready. I deserve to be on TV. Welcome to this edition of the Oxford Exxon Podcast. Chase Farm and Neil McCready here with you today. We're going to talk with a couple of guests, a couple of uh, people you've been interested in every time they've been on the show in the past. Ole Miss Athletics Director Keith Carter is going to join us first. He's going to talk about what uh, what is going on currently with uh, COVID-19, how Ole Miss is potentially planning for it, and much more. So we'll jump to Keith pretty early in the show. We're also going to talk with Ryan Brown. You know him from back in the day, every single Thursday, but we've had him on last week. Have him on again now. He is a uh, college football fanatic, so we talk about college football and how it pertains to everything going on in the world as well. So we'll get to him here in a little bit on the show. It's brought to you every single day by the Oxford Exxon Highway 6 West in Oxford. Use the Speed Pass Plus app. Let them take care of you. You don't have to touch much. It's one of the safer ways to get fuel to move about your day there with all Blue Sky locations in Mississippi, including the Oxford Exxon. You can also go next door to the Oxford Crystal. Use the drive through Maybe you were a winner yesterday when they drew out uh, a good many winners from the different What a Combo Crystal locations throughout Mississippi. And there's another contest as well. So check social media for details on that. And again, we're coming to you from the Clark Ford studio. We are Clark Fords in Amory, Mississippi, 662-257-1900 is the number. Call it. Ask for Corey Clark. Tell Corey what Ford product you're looking for. He will uh, send you a quote within 15 minutes in business hours right to the bottom line. No hassle, no haggle. You get your quote. And uh, the rest is up to you. You can shop it around or you can do what I've done, what I recommend that you do, and that's get into a Clark Ford today. You'll love the product. You'll love the service after the sale. Corey wants to be your car guy. He wants to be your truck guy. He'll prove that to you when you make that call. It's 662-257-1900. Keith Carter, Ryan Brown, all guests join us on the Rafters Music and Food Hotline. Anticipate having some uh, some news here pretty soon about Rafters on the water out at Sardis. We'll get that to you when we have it. Just remember that uh, when we get back to normal, whenever that is, uh, remember to, to reward Rafters for uh, being a part of our community. Uh, they are home to the Sunday Bluegrass Brunch each Sunday when things get back to normal, starting at 1045 a.m. It's also going to be a great place when games return to our screens. It'd be a great place to go uh, reunite with your friends and uh, watch some games on all of the screens at Rafters Music and Food on the Square in Oxford. Podcast yesterday uh, included myself and Zach Berry. We talked a good bit of NFL draft. We talked some Ole Miss-related stuff with the draft as well. And Neil had a lengthy interview with Tyler Sutliff and Blake Hookenauer of Blue Delta Jeans talking about what they have, uh, they've done for – Really, everybody from a mass production standpoint, ways to uh, to help and what they have coming up in the future as well. So that was on yesterday's podcast. Um, your next one after this will feature an interview with Chris Solomon of No Laying Up. Again, I put this on the board. Sometimes the golf stuff kind of shies people away. Don't let it this time. There's a little golf in there, but mostly we talk a lot about podcasts, about branding, about media, um, about the way that you guys follow your sports teams fans, players, everything like that. So it's a, it's a, it's a pretty lengthy interview with Chris. He's uh, he's kind of the main guy with no laying up, and uh, we talk a lot of stuff. So, again, don't be scared of the golf uh, 
topic as far as that if you are not interested in golf because the last few minutes are about golf but a lot of that even is with covid when are they going to play how does that relate to other sports and the like even give some thoughts on the nfl college football and and whatnot and it's somewhat educated because obviously chris is speaking to a lot of golf people a lot of uh higher ups in that that uh that field as far as when they can get back going again so uh, that's coming next on our next podcast but we'll start this one off keith carter Ole Miss athletics director here on the raptors music and food hotline Keith Carter joining us now on the Raptors Music and Food Hotline. Keith, appreciate the time today. You've uh, you've, you've been working remote for a while now. What's uh, what, what's the setup like? Are we are we just trying to keep the house quiet at certain hours? Keep the dog quiet? You you, you kind of got an an office dedicated to it. What's uh, what's going on? Well, so I've taken over the basement, which is actually a pretty good setup. Um, I've got I've got really everything I need down here. The only problem is it's it's our living room, so I'm, I'm hearing footsteps and, you know, kids running around and dogs running around upstairs sometimes. But uh, the setup's pretty good. I can get down here and kind of, you know, have my own space and, and work. And I tell you what, the whole remote thing has actually worked out pretty well. I mean, we've been able to accomplish a lot and, and you know, do a lot of meetings and, and still do a lot of face-to-face with Zoom and, and different things. So uh, it's been good. It's been good. I, I'm glad that this uh, – that this didn't happen 25 years ago before we had this option. I'm not sure what we would have done in that. How, how have you been able to keep up with student athletes? I mean, I, I know depending on the sport, they've got different things they're doing or not doing. Obviously, their their health and safety is priority one. But how, how are you able to sort of just check on them academically, mentally, just in general? What's that process? Well, you know, it's interesting because I think even in, in the good times, you know, the, the, the two groups that really – you know, kind of get to the student athletes and, and the student athletes trust and spend the most time with our academic advisors and our trainers. And it's interesting how that's kind of the same as it is now. I mean, those are the ones that are really spending a lot of time with them, whether it be, you know, tutoring, those type of things. Um, so we're getting a lot of information through those two units, through through Bob Baker over at FedEx and, and Shannon Singletary down at the Manning Center, uh, which has been good. And, and certainly, you know, for us, when this whole thing happened, the very first thing we wanted to do was make sure our student athletes were, were okay. Uh, you know, they were in a good place, obviously going online academically. We had to make sure that, you know, all of them had proper resources. You know, some of them didn't have laptops. Some of them didn't have access to Wi-Fi. So, uh, was certainly important. But, you know, I think all of them have adjusted well. You know, reports from Bob over in academics is that everybody's doing really well with the online option. And, you know, obviously finals coming up here shortly, but, uh, you know, one, one thing I do is I do, uh, uh, every Friday I send out a video. I just do it here on my phone at home and, uh, basically just recap the week, talk to them about on trying to encourage them to continue to fight through this. And, and um, and then I also do, uh, you know, basically biweekly meetings with our SAC group, our student athlete leadership group, uh, which is, you know, kind of two or three representatives from every team and, uh, and that's been really good as well. But I, I think our students are doing great. Um, you know, we're trying, again, to do everything we can to help them and, and make sure that they have all the resources they need to be successful in, in this kind of, you know, unusual. And- Keith, are, are you all still having the uh, the Zoom call with the other SEC athletics directors on a pretty regular basis? And, and if so, what is the, what is that call like most days? We are, you know, Neil. We we were doing that daily uh, for about the first month. Uh, we would we would call every day at eleven o'clock and, and catch up on things. And, and now we're basically doing three days a week, kind of a Monday, Wednesday, Friday, uh, you know, call. 
and it's been good. You know, I think, uh, again, the first few weeks was kind of a triage stage. We were all just kind of figuring out a way to go and, you know, kind of bouncing best practices off and, and making decisions kind of at a, an SEC level, um, you know, where everybody was on the same page. And, and then really the last couple of weeks, it's been more, you know, a shift and a pivot to talk about, uh, you know, a lot of the things going on. Uh, NIL, name, image, likeness has been a big discussion. Uh, you know, for the last couple of weeks and, and the one-time transfer, a lot of kind of normal things that we were dealing with before, you know, COVID. Um, and then really last week and this week, you know, we, um, and, you know, now we're talking about ways to, to get students back, to get staff back and safe ways to do that. And, and again, you know, it's going to be an interesting, uh, you know, situation because the, the SEC, there's 11 states that are represented, you know, in the SEC. Um, and just trying to find a uniform way for all of these states and, and institutions to come back and, and bring the student athletes back in the summer, hopefully get prepared the fall. Uh, you know, those are the scenarios we're all looking at now. But uh, it's going to be so interesting because, you know, with each state kind of having a different timeline, you know, again, trying to find a uniform way to do that uh, may, be, may be difficult. But uh, certainly I think everybody's you know, on the same page and trying to get that done. I know it's a fluid thing. I'm curious. Having, having talked to some medical people and that kind of thing, when, when you're plans for bringing uh, athletes back to campus, do you have to, do you have to, is your opinion that right now you'd have to quarantine them for 14 days when you got them to campus? Well, you know, I think, uh, you know, Shannon Singletary has been our, uh, our liaison with campus and he's been, he's been on the committee and, and talking with, with, you know, that group basically every day since this whole thing started. And he put together a very uh, robust and, and in-depth plan for potentially bringing student athletes for, you know, initially involved quarantine, certainly a lot of testing, uh, you know, making sure, uh, you know, talking about symptoms or things that have, you know, these student athletes have had or haven't had. Uh, there would there would be a pretty in-depth process to to get them back onto campus. You know, I, I don't know that it would, you know, necessarily mean a you know a five day or a ten day or a fourteen day quarantine. You know, those type of things. But certainly being very you know diligent and and making sure that um, you know we're we're doing the right things, bringing bringing these groups back. And so again, those are all the conversations that are going on right now. I actually, have a call, uh, you know, a little later on today with our our team. You know, continue those conversations. Uh, we're seeing different states and different institutions, you know, starting to make decisions on what they're going to do. Some of these schools are saying, you know, we fully, you know, intend to, to bring students back for in, in-person classes in the fall. We're starting to see those type of conversations. And so, you know, here at Ole Miss, we're, we're having those conversations as well, what makes the most sense. And, and certainly from an athletic standpoint, uh, it's important to get these students back because, you know, obviously if we want to play football in early September, we're going to have to back it up six or eight weeks and, and get these students back and get them in shape and get them acclimated. So, uh, all, all those discussions are, are being had right now. How realistic is starting on time for college football at this point? You know, I, I think we talked about that from day one as, as a goal. And, and, you know, we want to start there and, and try to make that happen. Um, you know, we'd be crazy if we didn't talk about all other scenarios. You know, I think we're, we're talking about that as kind of a best case, obviously. And then, you know, worst case is do you go and, and start football in the spring? and just overlay it with all your spring sports and, and you know, all your fall sports, play them in the spring. Uh, and then everything in between, you know, starting October 1st, starting November 1st, um, playing a shortened season, playing only in S league offices, that everybody's working together. You know, we all have a common goal. Uh, and certainly we want to, we want to bring these sports back. They're important. 
but we want to do it in a safe way. You know, we want to, we want to trust what the medical folks are saying and, and, and go from there. But, uh, you know, I think that it's something that uh, we're optimistic. We want to keep working toward that that early. Um, I don't think you answered this, Keith. If so, it kind of cut out for a second there. And I'll again, I can edit and fix that a little bit in a minute. But um, how, as far as that, as far as getting kids back, as far as the different things, I mean, how how much does that determine what the university does? You know, students at large, kind of kind of where is that discussion as far as what athletes potentially could do on a campus versus not having the student body back, having the student body back, or, or, or what sort of those those rights are, if you will, for student-athletes? Yeah, and, you know, obviously, Chase, we're going to have to follow in, in a lot of ways, you know, what the campus decisions are, and that's why we're, we're at the table. We're discussing a lot of these solutions, uh, you know, as well. You know, for us, I think it's so important that we, you know, we figure out a way. If we want to start playing football and volleyball and soccer, you know, in early September, uh, we've got to back that up six or eight weeks and, and make sure that, you know, our students are back, they're getting in shape, they're getting acclimated, uh, because a lot of them are, are at home where they're not, you know, they don't have that opportunity to work out and, and stay in that top shape that they need to. So, um, you know, for example, if we, if we end up, you know, what does that look like for our student athletes? Is there a way to, to push forward and, and still play those sports? Um, you know, we hope that there is. And, you know, our hope is that we're back and everything's good. But, uh, you know, again, I think what we've been doing is, is planning for every scenario. And as we get more information, we will pivot and, and adjust as needed. What do you think is, is necessary? Is- Go ahead, No, Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, what, what, when you have conversations about fans in the stands, and I know that's on down the road a little bit, but let's, you know, realistically, as soon as an, an announcement is made that, hey, games are going to be played, a season's going to happen, the very first question is, it, will it be in front of fans? When, when you when you guys have had those conversations, what do they look like? Well, I, I think first and foremost, you know, everybody wants to play in front of fans. And, and that's going to be our, our goal is to just, you know, figure out a way to make that happen. And, and whether that's, you know, we, we stole or do we start off and, you know, maybe playing the first few games with no fans or half, you know, half full stadiums and then, you know, get to full stadiums as the season progresses. Um, I think that's the, the route we're going and, and certainly the structure we would love to have. Um, but I, I think, you know, Neil, we got to, we got to look at this from all angles. And, you know, for me, if, if we can play football and, and, and the fans are not there um, and it's safe for our student athletes, safe for our staff, there's a out, then I think we can move forward and then, you know, certainly bring those fans back. Um, you know, for us, it's, you know, you look at the fall and, you know, if, if fans can't physically come to the stadium, but they know every Saturday that Ole Miss is going to be playing football and they can gather around their TV and watch it. Um, you know, to me, that just helps morale. It helps with, with everybody's just mental wellness and, and a lot of different things. You know, sports is so important in our region, uh, you know, especially here in Mississippi. It, it, it's so important. So I just think we've got to figure out a, a way to, to, to get back and to play. We've got to have an open mind about all of these scenarios. And, you know, obviously we want to get, we want to get fans back to our campus as soon as possible, but we've got to do that in a safe way. So um, I, I've been very encouraged with the discussions and, and the, you know, everybody's being very open-minded to, to all of these options. Fiscally, does that make sense potentially to play for a little while without fans? Because, I mean, I know obviously that'd be tons of, you know, the normal expenses necessarily to some extent without necessarily the gate receipts or anything. I know the TV contracts are what they are, but where, from an economic standpoint, how does that kind of fall in? Well, you know, it's not ideal, you know, from a, from a financial standpoint. But, um, you know, for us, it's, it's all about, you know, slowly but surely, you know, finding a way back into this thing. And, 
Uh, you know, for us, like you mentioned, the, the TV revenue w- would be huge. You know, there may even be an, an option that if, you know, we're playing half the season without fans to, to go back to these partners and say, you know, the value is much more now because everybody's watching on TV that, you know, the ad value and, and the sponsorship revenue is going to be higher for, for, for them. So maybe we go back and, and you know, relook at, at that, that deal from a one-year standpoint. So, um, you know, there's a lot of things there. But, um, you know, again, I, I just think playing – uh, and, and playing the games and, 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 you know, having those is going to be so important. It's going to help people, you know, and, you know, if it needs to be a phased approach, I certainly understand that, but, uh, you know, we, we need to play. And I, I think there's a lot of, uh, you know, that's the mindset around our league. Uh, Commissioner Sankey's done a great job of, of kind of leading these discussions and, and pushing us forward, working with other, you know, autonomy five conferences and kind of what they're thinking um, you know, and, and I feel kind of a sense that, you know, we're, we're starting to get a little more aggressive in our mindset uh, and looking to do that. But, you know, again, for me, I, I'm, I'm, you know, all, all scenarios are on the table. I play, and if that means playing a little while without fans and then phasing them in, then, then I'm for it. Obviously, Keith, in a scenario where nationally the season starts without fans, schools that don't belong to conferences with huge television rights packages are going to have to reevaluate what they're doing is 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 there a scenario in your mind where this leads to a a, a, the power five sort of breaking away and forming its own league if you will yeah i mean again i I think all of that is is on the table i mean we're we're dealing with kind of unprecedented where there's no way to really predict the future um, you know, my hope is that there's a way that we can kind of bridge this gap and, and get through this and, and get back to some normalcy. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think that, you know, there are going to be very significant financial struggles. I mean, even with us, you know, kind of back to the last question, you know, if we play and donations and those type of things, I mean, we're going to have to, to tighten our belt. We're going to have to look at different scenarios. That's good. Uh, you know, finding other revenues in different places, but um, you know, for some of the smaller schools that don't have the TV revenue, it, it's going to be a, a big hit. And I think, uh, you know, it's something that, you know, every AD, every uh, department CEO, uh, CFO, you know, is looking at all these scenarios and, and kind of looking at a, at a worst case. And so, um, you know, I could see certainly some things like that you know, shifting dramatically. But, you know, the hope is that we can continue to work through this, that there's better you know, medical, you know, better things we can do to, to get you know people back and, again, to some sense of normalcy sooner rather than later. Do you know what those things kind of are? I mean, have, have y'all discussed, you know, whether it be, you know, testing or, or antibody things? I mean, are there are there several things that you feel like are necessary for getting some semblance of normalcy back as far as fans in the stands or playing or anything else? I mean, is it has it gotten to that level of, hey, we really need this checklist prior to being able to do this? Well, I'll be honest, Chase, it, it, it probably hasn't um, from a standpoint of right now our focus is more on, you know, ways to get the student-athletes back in okay. the summer. Um, and trying to find that out. So that's kind of the, the focus, really. And, and I'll say this, that that's what's been so unique about this particular scenario, this, this situation, is that you know, everything is in such real time. I mean, it's almost like you just have to tackle what you can and then move on to the thing, plan together that potentially brings students back and getting them back here in the summer, maybe in June or July at some point. Um, and then once we kind of figure that out, we'll talk about fans and, and what makes sense there. I mean, obviously we're, we're already making some, you know, some thing, you know, some, some plans as far as, you know, different ways to, to keep our stadium clean, obviously hand sanitizer at every gate and, you know, whether, whether or not masks and, you know, we've had all of those discussions and, and you know, but, but 
you know, as we get into it and, and kind of get a plan and, and a decision is made that, you know, we can bring fans back, you know, but they have to be six feet apart. So what does that look like in our stadium? Does that mean, you know, we go from a, you know, 64,000 capacity down to a, you know, 32,000, you know, capacity. I mean, what, what does that look like? So um, it's interesting just to, to follow all this and, and try to you know, think about scenarios in real time. And, um, you know, you almost have to just take one thing at a time. And, and right now, athletes is, is the most important thing that we're, we're, we're focused on. We continue to have conversations about fans, you know, as we move forward in the coming weeks. Does football have to go first? I mean, in terms of for college athletics, you don't start anything else until you know you have a football season, right? Probably not. You know, I think that's where, you know, a lot of the discussions have been around starting football. Um, but in the back of our minds, we, we know that there's other fall sports that are very important. And those student athletes and coaches are, are you know, waiting for some, some direction. And so, um, you know, I think as we talked yesterday, you know, one of the biggest uh, things that would, would be really bad is if we, we start the season, you get two weeks in, and then all of a sudden you've got to stop. And so I think that, you know, all these discussions right now are so important. We're making sure that we're checking all the of experts and, and what does make sense. But, yeah, football's got to drive. You know, some of our other sports, soccer, volleyball, cross country, other fall sports will, will, will fall in line. But, you know, certainly, you know, the discussions we're having about football, um, you know, they'll trickle down to those other sports. And, and we're, we're anxious to get, to get those students back and those coaches back as well. Take a break in the show to tell you about Community Mortgage located in Oxford, Memphis, Central County, and Chattanooga. Underwriting and processing is done in Memphis. They're getting local underwriting and understand your market. A leader in condo financing in Oxford and the flow down option where you can lock in the current rate. But if rates go down before you close, you get the lower rate. 662-234-2704 or J-L-O-W-E at communitymtg.com. Also brought to you by G&M Pharmacy on South Lamar in Oxford, also Tyson Drugs on the Square in Holly Springs. Both those locations are open for regular business hours. Tyson's is utilizing a walk-up window, and GM is offering curbside service there in Oxford. Both stores are dedicated to local delivery and still able to deliver same day as well. 662-236-2222. The podcast brought to you by Visit Oxford. VisitOxfordMS.com is the website. Click the very top so you have to support Oxford during COVID-19. You can see a list of all retailers, restaurants with curbside with delivery options to uh, help you out there if you need that list. Also ways to support hospitality workers who are out of jobs right now in Oxford between Tupper Roulette and some other options that you have. Again, visit OxfordMS.com. Podcast also brought to you by Special Orthopedic Group. They are open in Tupelo and Oxford. You can skip the ER for urgent ortho-related injuries at both locations. They're offering, offering virtual health telemedicine. Patients have direct access to all SOG physicians and nurse practitioners. Patients have 24-hour access to appointments at 662 767 4200 or SOGMS.com. No referral is needed. Walk-ins are welcome. And then last but not least, we're brought to you by In-House Interior and Design, 662-681-6241. You can call. You can text. They are available for you. I talked to Nikki this week. They've been picking up more clients because people are home right now. They're seeing things around their house they want to change. They want to fix up. They offer new client gifts. They offer dorm room appointments whenever that does uh, come with discounts as well. So you can find out more. Text or call 662-681-6241. Obviously, a lot of this goes around revenues and wherever. How would you classify sort of the the, the health of the the athletic department from a from a revenue from a financial standpoint right now? Kind of publicly told our our staff and and you know the people around our department, we feel really good about where we are through the end of this fiscal year, June thirty. Um, you know, you're, you you look around the country and you've got departments that are taking cuts and 
you know, doing different things. I, I think we're in a, a good place until June 30 from that standpoint. Um, you know, I, I think the thing that, that makes our department so good is the people. And so I want to protect, I want to protect staff. I want to protect um, that, that, you know, this is their livelihood. And so we're going to do everything we can to hold on to our staff. Um, but I have told them, I said, you know, if we get past June 30 and then for some reason we, we do not have football or it's pushed back to the spring or you know, those types of scenarios, we, we're going to have to look at a lot of different things. And, and whether that's, you know, cutting expenses with, with furloughs and, and different things, you know, we're not sure. We don't want to do that. We certainly don't want to do that. But um, some of those hard decisions, if, if we go down, you know, kind of the worst case scenario path. Um, and, and I've said this too, I mean, we're dealing with a few things that maybe some other departments are not just simply because of what we've been through over the past four or five years. You know, you look at the lost revenue from the, from the bowl, uh, the bowl birth and, and those type of things from the dip into reserves for those. And, you know, it would be really, really, really nice if, if those reserves were sitting here right now. So uh, we're having to navigate, you know, kind of a tough situation there, but we feel good about it. Angela Robinson, our, our department CFO has been awesome. Fowler Staines over in the foundation. They've worked really hard at, you know, putting together some great plans for us. And, you know, we'll continue to look at it every single day and, and push to June 30th, and hopefully by then we'll have some good news on, on the fall. I don't necessarily want to ask specifics here unless you want to give them, but just overall, I mean, this would be a time that you would be discussing uh, contracts and whatever with spring coaches and, and, and whatnot. How do you kind of go about that right now in general based off not knowing what's coming, not knowing exactly what your revenue is going to be? I mean, is does it tend to be more holding pattern? I mean, do you consider restructuring in some way? I mean, just, just from a general sense, how is this different considering the lack of certainty as far as what's ahead from a, from a revenue standpoint? Yeah, no, it, it's definitely different. You know, I think that you, you want to hold, again, like I just said, you want to hold on to your people. You want to make sure that, that they feel comfortable with, with where they are. So kind of my that is very similar you know that we would have had without the pandemic um and then if we need to to go back and and you know take 10 percent off the top of some of our most highly compensated people at some point and defer those payments or or, you know cut those you know if needed we can do that um but i think you you move forward in in contract conversations very in a very normal situation because you know these coaches and and you know they're 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 the you know, they, they represent our programs. We want to make sure that, again, they feel comfortable and that they know that they're wanted. And so we'll move forward with those. We've had a lot of those conversations already. We've had, we're continuing to have some of those. Obviously, we hired a new softball coach that we're very excited about. So uh, you have to move forward, you know, in, in some ways as usual because at some point we're going to come out of this and we're going to need these coaches, we're going to need these staff members, you know, to be functioning at a high level. So uh, we'll move forward with those conversations. And then obviously, again, if we – get to a worst case scenario after June 30th and we can make some and go from there. What was it like uh, doing a coaching? You, go ahead, Neil. You wanna... No, no, go ahead. Chase. What, what What was it like doing a coaching search in the middle of this? I mean, has, has your softball coach, I mean, obviously never seen campus. I mean, that kind of thing. I mean, what, what how, how does it, obviously in a lot of ways, but how is it different than what a traditional one would look like? Well, it was actually um, very efficient. Had Chat Lowe's, who's been sure a partner, who's helped us on you know a lot of our searches, and he was able to organize and coordinate you know the Zoom meetings and started off with you know five or six that we we did there, narrowed it down to a couple, and and actually Jamie was able to come to campus. She was able to come you know midweek last week and, and spend four or five hours here and uh, and get a feel for it. And so um, it was good. We we actually were able to meet with her on the other side of the room. We had our conversation and had uh, it was good. And so. You know, again, I think we've all kind of learned to adapt and, and, and to get work done and, and 
you can't just sit still, especially when you got, you know, a softball search. You got to go find the best coach. And um, while it was a little bit different, I, again, I think it was efficient. I think it was good. And, and I certainly think we got the right coach for, for our program. My question, Keith, was I know this has been going on for a while now. It's almost become routine. It's become pattern. I've talked to different people who say, hey, I'm, I'm a lot more optimistic or I'm more pessimistic or whatnot. For you, just based on the information that, that you've gathered over the past few weeks, are you are you more optimistic today than you were, say, three weeks ago about what the fall will look like? Um, I am. I mean, just personally, I just look around, Neil, and I see you know, different states opening up. Again, as I mentioned before, you know, different institutions talking about, you know, hey, we're coming back in the fall. Um, and Chancellor Boyce has been awesome throughout this whole ordeal, you know, communicating and, and, and working with people. And so you know, we'll continue to do that. Again, we have a call here later today to, to, to kind of keep talking about this. But, um, you know, we got to do what's best for us. But I, I have a, a very positive sense. I guess that's kind of my nature, you know, as a whole. I, you know, I just feel like there's there's some momentum and internal and, and with our state and, and different things. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm optimistic that we're going to be able to get back. You know, will we be playing football, you know, Labor Day weekend? I, I can't say that yet. But, uh, you know, that's our hope. And that's what we're going to continue to push for and, and until somebody – you know, tells us that we can't do that, then, then we'll, we'll move on and, and pivot and, and find another option. But uh, I think there's a lot of momentum right now for, uh, you know, and, and a lot of discussion, even at our, our conference level, you know, with other ADs. You got anything else, no? No, I, I, I don't. I'm, I'm good. Kind of putting a bow on it. I, I know this, the city of Oxford, obviously, is kind of putting a fa- you know phases into reopening some different things. I know that um, as, a, as a university, they are uh, – maybe looking at August 1 right now through decisions and then moving beyond that. From an athletic standpoint, when do you feel like a lot of these decisions need to be made? I mean, what do you, what do you feel like some sort of reasonable timetable is for uh, needing to determine some of these things? Well, I, I think, you know, through May 31st, obviously we know we're not having any activity. So I, I think it's going to be key as we get through kind of the middle of, of May and toward the end of May, you know, what that looks like for June. Um, you know, I, I'm, I don't, I'm not really optimistic that we would be able to bring students back in June, but to me, if we can bring students back by July one, kind of for that second summer term, uh, we're getting them back and getting them back here on campus and, and getting them ready for the fall. And so, um, that's kind of the date that I'm targeting just internally is that July one date. And if we can make some decisions by then and, and obviously have more medical information that, that would allow us to you have a little more freedom and, and, and an opportunity to bring students back. I think that would give us a, a great opportunity to get ready for, you know, September and, and, and having a somewhat normal fall. So that's what we're going to work for. And again, we'll, we'll, that's what we think today. And, and that's what we're looking for. And that's what we work toward. So even though students are not taking online or t- not taking on campus classes, you do feel like there's at least the potential to potentially get, uh, get athletes back on campus in July. Just kind of clarifying there. Yeah, and, and I, I think that, you know, for us it's important that even if, if they're come back and get in the facilities and, and do those type of things to get in shape, that's what's so important in the fall. And so, you know, again, we, none of those decisions have been made. That's an internal, uh, and that's what we're going to work toward with our campus, with our, with our, with our league, working with Commissioner Sankey. Um, so we'll continue to do that. But that July 1st date is, is pretty important. I think if you, if you start slipping past that too far, you get to July 15th, Labor Day weekend, you're, you're pushing it back. So, I think July 1 is... Okay, well, appreciate it, uh, Keith. Thanks for bearing with us through uh, the little bit of connection stuff there, and let's uh, let's do it again. Sounds great, guys. I appreciate it. Y'all have a good one.
The Oxford Exxon Podcast is brought to you in part by Dead Soxie. If you're already a Dead Soxie customer, first, thank you. Secondly, here's all you have to do to uh, introduce more people to Dead Soxie and get free Dead Soxie stuff of your own. Uh, take your personal referral code from Dead Soxie, send it to your friends and family via email, text, or social. And uh, for every new customer you produce, uh, you'll both get $10. They get $10 in free socks. You get $10 in free socks. You can keep uh, earning freebie socks for life because there's no limit on how much you can earn. Just share your link and collect the rewards. People helping people as we all should, especially right now at Dead Soxy. It's deadsoxy.com. We're also brought to you by the Iron Horse Grill. It is located at 320 East Pearl Street. It's uh, the perfect place to enjoy lunch, dinner, or Sunday brunch. It also uh, specializes in on-site large event catering for up to 250 people and off-site full catering services, especially beverage catering. So if you're planning a birthday party, a graduation celebration, a rehearsal dinner, or a wedding reception, you want to be able to enjoy the moment, and the Iron Horse Grill is your answer. It's a one-stop shop for beverage services for a 250- to 500-person wedding or even a 3,500-person gala. It's one of the largest Beverage caterers in Mississippi, it can service the entire states. Call Sarah Black at 601-398-0151 for your catering needs. Knock that off your worry list and let the Iron Horse Grill make your event one that is memorable forever. We're also brought to you by Grenada Nissan. If you're in the market for a Nissan vehicle, Grenada Nissan's the place to go. They've got a complete selection of new and previously owned Nissan vehicles, great lease deals as well. It's GrenadaNissanUSA.com. All you do when you go in and see Gene and Sandy is tell them you heard about Grenada Nissan on our podcast or at RebelGrove.com, and you'll get Rebel Savings on top of the already great deals at Grenada Nissan. Uh, we're also brought to you by Nest and Wild. Sleep better with a Nest and Wild mattress. Nest and Wild is a Mississippi-based mattress company making a high-quality mattress delivered right to your door. They make buying a new mattress easy. Every Nest and Wild mattress is one foot thick, giving you comfort and support that will last a lot of online brands sell an 8-inch or 10-inch mattress with less support and durability, but not Nest and Wild. From the Twin to the California King, every Nest and Wild mattress is one foot thick, 100% American made, and the pricing is competitive when compared to the rest of the mattress companies, and in fact, we'll make it even better because we're going to give you a promo code that I'll tell you about in a bit. It's a no-risk decision. Nest and Wild believes in their product so much, they're offering a 99-night trial on every mattress, so try it out. Sleep on it for 99 nights, and if you don't like it, you can return it. Nestandwild.com. Order your mattress. Use the podcast code REBEL20. That's REBEL20, and get 20% off your purchase. And uh, your mattress will arrive at your door in three to five days. Thanks so much to Keith for giving us that amount of time this morning. We apologize for the audio issues, but there's a pandemic right now. Our uh, Wi-Fi in the uh, Clark Ford studio was... Um, Knocked out yesterday, so we're doing the best we can. Keith had a couple issues on his end, but uh, appreciate it. Good information there, and we're all doing the best we can as we move on. Ryan Brown now joining us on the show, you know, from WJOX out of Birmingham and uh, on here this here podcast from time to time. So we'll jump right back in. Here's Neil with Ryan Brown. As promised, Ryan Brown joins us here. Uh, it's Monday night. I've learned to do this on, on any conversation that might steer at, at all into COVID stuff. It is Monday night. April the 27th at 7.24 <laughs> Central Daylight Time. Uh, Ryan, welcome into the show. Congratulations on your Dolphins apparently getting 
at least uh, at least one first round pick, the one that mattered the most, they appear to have gotten it right. Congrats. Well, thank you. I am very excited. You know, it's crazy that in my fandom, my Dolphins fandom history, which dates back to Dan Marino starter for the first time, um, the Dolphins from that moment have drafted one first round quarterback, and it was Ryan Tannehill. So that was very disappointing as a Dolphins fan. <laughs> and even at the time of that, even at the time of that draft, you know, he was a converted wide receiver. He played quarterback you know, basically a, a season at Texas A&M. Um, and it obviously did not work out. So this is the most high-profile quarterback we've ever drafted in my fandom. I mean, you know, you think about the, you know, if you're a, um, yeah, gosh, you know, when New England's a bad example because it's been forever since they drafted Tom Brady and he was a six-rounder. But all these franchises, you know, the Lions drafting a Matt Stafford or the Chiefs drafting a Patrick Mahomes, all these franchises, fans have done this. I've never done this. I've, I've never had this feeling. I am so excited. It's not just Tua. I thought they had a really good draft beyond him. I am extremely excited about it. Uh, before we get into some of the college stuff, because I know people want to get your thoughts on that. We did. We just we talked last week. We just talked draft, draft, draft. Uh, anybody else stand out? And then what did also? What did you think of ESPN's overall coverage? I, <laughs> I thought it was interesting. I, I give them. I'll give you my quick thought on it, and then you can expound if you, you can tell me I'm an idiot or, or what. I, I, in general, I liked it. I thought they did a great job of uh, bringing in all the different feeds from different places. I enjoyed seeing the people's reaction in their own home. Uh, I got to see Roger Goodell, the human being, and caught myself liking him a lot more than I had ever liked him before. I got tired of the sob stories. Yeah. And the ESPN's had to apologize for at least one instance with T Higgins, who who himself said he was fine with it, but I think ESPN heard enough blowback on sob story after sob story. Um I'll, I'll take those in order. I loved the fact, you know, I'm a, as a Dolphins fan, Brian Flores' kids were there with him making the picks. Uh you know, you saw um uh you know, kids that were doing fun things my kids and you know they're a bit older but still they were having fun with it and these nfl coaches are so robotic and so careful with their image it was fun to see them just let down that screen for a minute and show that they are real people and while roger goodell still seemed very robotic you know i appreciate the fact that he he was encouraging fans to boo him at the start he's embracing the fact that he gets booed. I mean, it would have been easy to run from that in the comforts of your own basement. He didn't. He, he, he knows that that's what it is, and he accepted it. And, you know, as cheesy as the Skyped-in fans or FaceTimed-in fans or Zoomed-in fans, whatever it was, as cheesy as that might have seemed at times, he was trying to make it real for fan bases and was trying to get them involved. And I appreciate that. I'm like you. I mean, he's not a popular guy, Goodell, but I thought he handled that about as well as he could. And, um. Yeah, and the sob story angle, you know, look, I get the fact that we're in a college football world, so we know who T. Higgins is. We know that we know a lot of these stories because we're college football fans and we follow it. I, you know, I understand that NFL fans don't necessarily follow these guys, so you're literally being introduced to them. I'm just not sure that's the best way to introduce them. Uh, and it also creates some really awkward moments, Neil, when you know, Trey Wingo is just reading the script given him and says, you know, of course, so-and-so's mother died tragically in a car accident and his father has been in prison for 20 years and the family dog ran out in front of a car and recently was killed. And, <laughs> yeah. But but Mel, this kid has an incredible 40 time and a great arm. <laughs> it's just so super awkward. Yeah, you know they went to some commercial breaks and Wingo was like, come on, you guys are killing me. This, yeah, this, this has to, we have to stop. 
Yeah, and I felt bad for whoever, you know, whether it was Lewis Riddick or DJ or Mel, whoever the first analyst was that had to pick up the ball after that. You're like, you know, you've just given me the worst moment of this kid's history, and i got to tell you, he doesn't run great routes. I mean, you know, it just seems so <laughs> in, inhumane after that. <laughs> you know, he just doesn't have a great body either. Um, uh, all right, so let's let's get away from the draft. We'll get to, I'm not going to keep you super long because I'm, I'm doing this from a – uh, an iPad. It's not the greatest connection in the world, and but I really appreciate you doing it. So let's let's. I know that you guys there in Birmingham, like we are, you are a college uh, athletics centric show, college football centric show, uh, for the most part, pretty much the entire year. Um, we are as well. Uh, we at least we try to be it when when it's possible. Uh, here lately, it hasn't been possible. But the big story that's come up is and, and that is really percolating is what happens this fall uh late fall with with college football season with the nfl there's a lot of stories out today about what might happen with major league baseball what might happen with the nba uh, major league soccer perhaps uh, announcing a start date for practice um the korean baseball league is going to get more attention in america than it has ever received uh there's there's just kind of a lot we talked to jenna fryer about nascar last week we've talked to taylor zarzer about the pga tour but at the end of the day it's all building up to can college football come back in the fall can the nfl come back in the fall what are your thoughts on that as as we tape this at 729 on april the 27th well again i've always been optimistic on this even from you know the first shutdowns when this became a discussion and and things were more murky are less clear back then than they are now. I was I was still an optimist that this would get done. And, you know, look, I mean, we still got a long way to go, and there are a lot of hurdles we have to jump. I mean, testing has to get better, but I think it's only going to get better. I think naturally, you know, the longer this goes, the better testing we'll get and the more sophisticated it will get. I'm confident, you know, because we live in the greatest nation in the world, that at some point over the next few months, we'll find effective treatments for this, that it isn't a death sentence for most anyone, even the elderly and the infirmed, that, you know, there are treatments that can help them live through this, and that will help. Um, you know, I, I think as they did, as realized, the death rate on this is very, very low. And, uh, and beyond all that is you always follow the money. And the, people may not want to have this conversation, but the NFL is worth billions of dollars, and they are not going to take a billions of dollars loss. They're just not going to do it, Neil. Agreed. Uh, they're, they're not going to do it. They're not going to take a loss of that much money. Now, how does that look that keeps them from taking a loss? I do not know, but they're not going to take that loss. And you go one step further, there are universities that if they don't have full enrollment, they'll shut the doors. It's over. You, well, you I mean, I, the, I'm I'm sitting here eight miles, not even eight miles, eight minutes from the University of Mississippi, from Ole Miss, and and now what, could Ole Miss survive a lost semester? Yeah, would there be casualties? You're damn right. Oh gosh, yes. Uh, yeah. I mean, I you know, listen, I, I, I you might be talking to one of the casualties. Uh, what what would happen to uh, what would happen to this town? What yes. would happen to the the uh, apartment? market the the condominium market the, the the what would happen to restaurants to a lot of things i mean it, it's just it, it, this is what bothers me ryan okay and I, you and i talked about this a little bit and it's it's april the 27th i've said that twice now but it bears repeating if, <laughs> if on june the 27th we're having some catastrophic death toll okay, okay it's a different creature sure Absolutely. But why we're saying, why there is this pressure, and it's two things to me that bother me. One is, is it's a political thing, and I don't want to dive into too much of that, but it's it's the, the, the there's politics on the left that are, they know that the, the 
chaos and catastrophe helps them in an election. And then I think there are people who are, and I'm not making fun of these people at all, who are just genuinely terrified of what happens if they get the virus. And the answer for most of those people, what happens if you get the virus? Nothing. Yeah. You, you, you might have a sore throat. It, it's just that part of that part of the media story. Yeah, that part of the yeah, media story yeah. is not getting told, right? And and I'm, I'm trust me, I'm not minimizing the the death of this. There is there is death, and there is death every day, and it is tragic no matter what the circumstances. Sure. Death is tragic by nature. Sure. That's what it is. Um, I, I just know that these universities are not going to go out of business. It's again right or wrong. You follow the money. And these universities, you're right. I mean, Ole Miss would survive. Alabama and Auburn would survive. But boy, would they take a hit. I mean, you and not you, you, it's 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 so much trickle down too, Neil. I mean, you think about the research dollars that Ole Miss gets or Alabama or Auburn get. Sure, they have to have students in labs to get those research dollars. Sure, but they don't just they don't just give them for nothing. So that's money. You know, you you've and the the businesses that are around Oxford and Tuscaloosa and Auburn and Nashville and. Baton Rouge that depend on those. I'm, I'm talking right now, so you don't think I'm interrupting you. You're, 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 when your signal falls out, I've learned I can fill the gap and talk until you get back, okay. just so you know. All right. So the, those businesses that that depend on the universities wholly to stay alive, if those businesses go under, the student life suffers and enrollment drops. I mean, it's a, it's a long-term. You, you lose sure. the strip in Tuscaloosa. And you know what? A lot of students say, hmm, I don't think I want to go to Alabama. That doesn't seem like a fun place to be. Uh, that hurts enrollment. I mean, all these things are connected. And yeah, you gotta you got to consider all these things. And so I say all that to say, if students are on campus, you can play football. I mean, if you've made the decision that we think it's safe enough for students to be on campus, then it's safe enough to play football. Uh, and I love people talk about mitigating risks. My God, we've, we've had college football players almost lose legs on the football field. There is risk involved. The Oxford Exxon Podcast is also brought to you by Pinnacle Trust. Pinnacle Trust, based in Madison, Mississippi. They've got clients in more than 20 states, advisors in multiple states as well. Founded in 1997, Pinnacle Trust provides detailed, specialized investment management, financial planning, retirement planning for individuals and businesses, and much more. At Pinnacle Trust, investing is treated like a commodity. Decisions are made using objective information and research, not emotions. So regardless of your level of wealth, Pinnacle Trust will sit down with you, listen to your goals, Study your expenses and put forth a comprehensive, detailed financial and retirement plan built just for you. It's pintrust.com, P-I-N-N trust.com. Mention you heard about Pinnacle Trust on the podcast. You get 10% off your first year's fees. We're also brought to you by John Edwards of Regency Travel Incorporated in Memphis. When this is all over, everyone is going to want to get away. They're going to want to get out of town, get out of their homes. They're going to want to go on a vacation and you want to book one that will create a lifetime of unique memories. And that's where John comes in. He's part of Virtuoso. It's a worldwide network of travel partners that allows John to supply his clients with added values and unique benefits that are simply not available to other travelers. All you do is you give him a call, you give him an email, and uh, you give him some parameters, you give him a budget, and uh, he'll give you options. You don't have to live in or near Memphis to take advantage of his services. And uh, he's great at what he does. He'll take great care of you. 901-494-3387. Or send him an email at jedwards at regencytravel.net. First-time clients can save $50 off their first booked trip just by telling John 
you heard about Regency Travel on the podcast. We're also brought to you by Oxford University Bank, OUB, locally owned and operated right here in Oxford. When you deposit money at OUB, that money and the vast majority of the bank's profits go right back into the Oxford community. OUB gives you the comfort of home, all the benefits the big mega banks provide, all the technology and products you can want, all with a personal touch. OUB offers its customers the absolute best cash checking account. It's called Casasa. And with Casasa, OUB will pay customers 2.5% interest on their balances up to $50,000 and refund ATM fees nationwide. They also have a commercial checking account now paying 1% interest as long as you keep $10,000 in the account. It comes with fully interactive online banking. To learn more, go to liveoxfordbankoxford.com or call 662-234-6668. OUB is FDIC insured. And we're brought to you by Bluff City Advisory Group. They're dedicated to building the future you desire. Founded in Memphis in 2019, their team is comprised of established and seasoned financial experts who came together to serve individuals and families of their beloved hometown. The firm is built on decades of wealth management experience, and they've seen it all. Their financial advisors have a reputation for professional excellence, and their clients rely on their high level of confidence and integrity. So whether you need guidance on developing a financial plan, creating a customized executive benefits program for your business, or preparing a detailed asset allocation analysis, Bluff City Advisory will provide forward-thinking and cost-effective investment strategies customized to uniquely fit each client. 901-365-3447 or email ben, that's B-E-N, at bluffcityadvisory.com. And we're brought to you by Whitney McNutt of Tommy Morgan Incorporated Realtors, serving you for all your real estate needs in Oxford and Tupelo. Whitney sells condos, land, commercial, and residential family homes, 662-567-2573 or 662-842-3844. Well, you know, and, and, and I, don't, I don't want to minimize the, the risk to a football player because obviously they're out there and there's sweat and there, there's, uh, there's, there's all sorts of bodily fluids that get exchanged in the course of an athletic endeavor. But the, the majority, the overwhelming majority of of college athletes at the at the high level are in the type of shape that quite frankly at, at the worst they're going to get set back for a couple of days and if they test positive you quarantine them for two weeks i mean you know yeah. i mean this, the one thing i have said to people like on my message board and i think you'll agree with this is that the one thing we're not going to have this season is it's not going to be like every other season you've watched over the last 15, 20 years. This one's going to look different. It's going to have a different storyline to it. This is going to be a storyline that is going to occupy certainly the beginning of the season and very likely the entire season. And it's certainly possible that, you know, you, you discover that, hey, the, the Georgia's starting running back test positive in late September, and he's quarantined for two weeks. And he's going yeah. to miss three games. And, and people say, well, that's going to impact competitive balance. And all, yeah, yeah, whatever. I mean, it, it just is what it is this one year. This is the year that I think a lot of people are going to have to accept that a lot of that's kind of getting thrown out because they're just having to make sure that they play the season and pay the bills, which leads me into my question. And I've asked this of a lot of people. I'd love to get your opinion. Can college football play without fans? Can, can, and I don't mean one or two weeks, Ryan, because I think yeah. you could do it one week, you could do it two weeks, but at some point, you got to remember now, and you know this. You're there, in, in but not not but about an hour or less from the University of Alabama, where they've built this Taj Mahal of, of football stadiums, and I mean that in as complimentary a way as possible. But 
people have paid a lot of money to go to Alabama games to get suites to get uh, their their basically their PSLs. They've invested a lot of money. If you start telling those people, hey, you can't come to the game, but we still need your money, that's a it's a difficult uh, that's a difficult sale to make. It, it is, it is. But I'll give you the flip side of that. Um, I, I saw the Sports Business Journal reported, and whether this is accurate or not, I do not know, but Sports Business Journal reported that IMG, who is the rights holder for a ton of schools, probably if you're listening to this, your favorite school, um, has informed the schools that they're going to be uh, 60 to 90 days late on their upcoming payment. You know, we're not even to the season yet. And, and if they've already made that, if they've already given them that information, um, just wait until CBS says, oh, you're not having um, a season? Well, we'll hold the check until we're certain the games are going to be played. Um, athletic programs cannot survive that. So I think given that choice, do we do we trudge on without fans or do we wait until it's safe to have fans? It might mean a fall of us not getting any money coming in in football. I think your athletic director is going to say, we love our fans, but our check from the TV and our check from the rights is bigger than what we get out of tickets. In that scenario, in my opinion, this is my rea- my response to that, not not arguing. My response to that is this. Yeah. The one thing you have to at least do is you have to let family into games and maybe you have yeah. to make them socially distance. And I think you have to let the student body into games because if you're telling the kids, hey, it's safe for you to play, then it's got to be safe for their fellow 19 and 20 year olds that they represent. Yeah, and, and you could easily space the families out to a point that it would be safe. I mean, you could, you know, yeah. you're talking, yeah. you're, you're talking what two parents per, or let's say four people per hundred players. So we're talking four hundred side, yeah, you know, four hundred. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There's a way to yeah. there's a way to do uh, that. Yeah, yeah, a thousand people in an SEC stadium, and we can space that out fine. Yeah. You know, it'll look like a Vanderbilt game <laughs> in the fourth quarter. So we've we've done that. We've done that already in SEC. So I. I I mean, It'll look like I, the Alabama student section in the third quarter when Saban's yeah, so pissed Nick, off. Yeah, yeah. Nick, Nick Saban will not get to do his rant this year. Coach, <laughs> they want to be there. They can't. <laughs> I'm just talking so the, to yes, your signal I just comes know that, Yeah, yeah. There, there are ways around this. There are ways around this. But I just, what I do know is these schools make a living off the TV contracts. And whatever CBS or NBC and Notre Dame's case or ESPN and a lot of schools' case or Fox or whatever – Whatever they say, that's going to make the decision for these athletics programs. That that's as long as students are on the campus, and you could say, okay, students are on the campus and we can play. Yeah. So I think CBS is the one that really makes the call on when that play takes place. So my prediction is that we play the first week of games on uh, the fourth week of the season. It's the last weekend of September. The reason I say that is because there is a, just a protocol that has to happen to get kids back in. There was a story that came out today. Brett McMurphy wrote it. I thought it was really well reported. And it's kind of generally what I've heard. A lot of coaches uh, want eight weeks. They think four is too few. I think six is what they're probably going to get. And then I think the reason it's going to be eight weeks is I've begun to hear a lot of talk about they've got to bring the kids to campuses and you've got to quarantine them for two weeks before you can get started. Just got to do it. There's the liability issues and all those things in addition to, obviously, you want to take care of the kids. So two weeks of quarantine, six weeks of prep, that's eight weeks. That's essentially two months. And so the most realistic that you're going to be able to get them to campus is 
mid to late July, which pushes you into mid to late September, which is about what I think they're going to when I think they're going to start. And you and I talked about this. If you offer the networks, hey, you can have Alabama, Mississippi State in the last game of the season, and I'm just throwing a game out. I don't know who all plays in week three. Uh, I think well, I Ole Miss plays Auburn. Ole Miss plays Auburn in week three. If you tell them you can have Ole Miss Auburn in in uh, in Vaught Hemingway in a game that might have some some championship implications or you know or whatever or you can have uh temple versus uh san jose state in the camellia bowl I, something tells me that they'd rather have the uh the sec game just a guess on my part i think i'd rather have auburn and ole miss yeah i mean if if by chance your rank and file bowl games are the ones that pay the price here, that's bad for them. And I hate it for you know their economy, and their economy is going to hurt. But at some point, you've got to prioritize. And the you know walk ons Independence Bowl, as great a restaurant as walk ons is, is a low priority versus an Alabama Tennessee game or an Auburn Ole Miss game. So yeah, yeah, I think at some point Greg Sankey would have to. But what I have to stop and say, okay, here's our priority. Our priority is, first of all, we're going to play our eight SEC games. I think that's priority one. We're, you know, and then if a lot of other conferences aren't playing, we may expand that to ten or twelve SEC games. It may be an SEC only schedule. CBS will love that. Yeah. But but our our priority is we're going to play eight SEC games, and we're going to get those in come hell or high water. However that works, and then we're going to play our championship game. And then whatever's left is whatever's left. If, if we can make some bowl games work, we'll do it. We're going to send a team to the playoffs, hopefully. Um, but, that, but those are our priorities. And that, that's we do everything. But if we start week four, this is our priority, and this is what we're going to do. Yeah, I think you're right. The, 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 the only other thing that I'm curious to see is I know that the Power Five school, uh, schools, the conferences, the, the, conf- the commissioners have already come out and said this. They would really love to be on the same page. They would love to have unanimity. They'd love to kind of even in this one year set a date and say, hey, this is the date we start and this is how we do it. And not even from a fairness standpoint, but just from a, a strength in numbers standpoint. I'm curious to see what happens if three of the five leagues or three and a half of the five leagues or even four of the five leagues say we're in and one says we can't. It could fundamentally change the uh, just the shape of the sport moving forward. Yeah, there's no doubt. But you know what I find interesting, Neil, is and I, I don't know what I expected, but is the first two prominent schools that are out front saying, "Hey, we're going to have students on campus this fall," are Oregon, and there's some sense that Purdue's about. Yeah, Purdue, Washington State has said it. Uh, y- you're right. It's some of the schools that you would have thought would not have said it have been the ones that have come right out and, oh, and jumped uh, in. Trust me, I thought the SEC schools would be on the leading edge of this one. I mean, this is this is the one I thought that Tennessee and Alabama and Auburn and Georgia and Ole Miss and <laughs> LSU were going to be the first ones to it. It's, oh, no, 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 we're having school this fall. Don't worry. Uh, it, it is shocking to me some of the parts of the country where this is actually coming from. So um, I guess I find that encouraging. I don't know. Um, look, I get what's going on here, too. These schools want kids to enroll. They want to have that money on the books. And sure. we'll, we'll, we'll deal with the refunds if we have to refund. Um, so I get that. I, I know this is not a sign that everything's going to be fine. But it's certainly further along than we thought we would have been a month ago. Uh, if you go back to, you've said many times, this is, is April 27th. If you go back to March 27th. Yeah. yeah. And, and I told you schools were announcing, hey, we're enrolling this fall. You would have said, my gosh, I can't believe that. Well, and that's the reason, you know, my wife said this the other day, and I, I thought she was exactly right. She said, look at, you know, look at how much it's changed. It was kind of the pep talk to the kids a little bit because they, they 
they get so sick of like COVID talk that they just lose their minds because they, and you know what it is, it's anxiety. And she said, look at how much it's changed in five weeks. It's a great point. What you just said, it's really changed a lot in five weeks. And she said, you know, what do we, how do we know it won't change this much more in five more weeks? And so in five more weeks, we're, you know, late May. And, uh, you know, right around the first of June and things start looking a little better and people can start making calls. And like you said, it's not going to be perfect. We're going to have to live with the virus. We're going to have to live with a certain degree of risk. We're going to have to be smarter. Uh, I thought LSU came out with a pretty, to their credit, came out with kind of a good statement today where they said, so here's sort of the plan. We're going to get everybody to campus. We're going to, the smaller classes will we'll meet and the big, you know, American history 101 or whatever, Spanish 101, the huge you know, uh, auditorium type classes, they're going to have to do some of those partially online. Maybe they, maybe they do, you know, a through M report, you know, Monday, Wednesday, Monday and Wednesday. And, and, you know, I don't know, maybe they'll have to come up with some creative things, but you have smart people. And, and, you know, now that they've tested some online stuff, you, you let it, maybe you let some kids take some classes online to, to sort of mitigate it a little bit. I don't know. I, yeah. I just think there are ways. Here's the thing. Football be damned, right? Football, if it's what you were saying. It's when you go to Auburn, let's use Auburn as an example. When a kid says, I'm going to Auburn, that's where I, my college experience. Well, his or her college experience is more than just the actual classes that he or she attends. There's more to the college experience that makes the bang for the buck for the parent for whatever and and if you take that away it's not really if you go if you're sitting in your in your in, in your uh, family kitchen or in your apartment online even though the classes are, are are provided by auburn you're not really going to auburn there's a difference you know there's a difference when you go yeah. to, going to yeah. auburn means you're you're in auburn you're on you're at you're on this on that campus you're walking that campus you're part of that experience that's that's part of what people pay for as well and so if you take that away i just yeah i'm with you i I, to me barring some uh spin in the virus or something where it just starts taking the lives of 19 20 21 22 23 year old people and in in droves i just i i think i think the campuses are opening up this fall yeah, I mean, and I think we as a society, I'll say this, we as a society, society have a responsibility to find ways to protect those who have compromised immune systems and the elderly. That's on us. Um, and our government has to take the lead on that. We have to hold our government responsible. I'm not just saying, you know, everybody go out and, you know, be damned. I, I am saying we got to find ways to, to do that. I mean, that's the only way this works is if you take care of the should care for the elderly and we should care for those that have compromised immune systems those people need our they need our support they need our care and we've got to be far more vigilant in doing that in this window until until this is all behind us so you know it's it's not i i think it gets lost when you start talking about playing football everybody brings those things up i'm not saying you don't care for the elderly and you don't care for the infirmed i'm saying you give them greater care um, I'm saying you test more. I'm not saying we're testing enough. I'm saying between now and September, our testing's got to get better. Yeah. Um, and, and again, I'm hopeful we find reliable, um, reliable remedies for this, reliable medicines that work and, yeah. and that are, and are effective. I mean, I think we can do all those things do between too. now and September. I do too. Uh, Ryan, thanks so much for the time this evening. Uh, I really appreciate it. Tell, uh, tell the family I said hello and uh, good luck with the videos and that kind of thing. I always enjoy them. Well, thank you very much, Neil. And go Dolphins, and the bandwagon is growing here in Alabama. We are accepting anyone. It's, it's, it's not an easy life. 
Yeah, I bet that I bet the uh, the Miami bandwagon in, in the Tuscaloosa, Birmingham area is pretty big. Probably like there's this run on Cincinnati Bengal fans in, in Baton Rouge right now. So it's it's one of those oh, yeah. things. There were a hell of a lot of New York Giants fans in, in Mississippi for the last 15 years or so. So I get it. Oh, tr- yeah, trust me. No, I saw it. We uh, when Cam Newton got drafted by the uh, Panthers. All of a sudden, you know, the Fox affiliate, Fox 6 here in town, starts showing every Panthers game. Sure. And, and you saw Panthers jerseys all over Birmingham. And I used to laugh. I was like, there are no Panthers fans of Birmingham. <laughs> there, there's there's Cam Newton fans, and you're about to see that. Now that Cam's gone, we won't get any Panthers games, and you won't see a Panthers jersey anywhere. Yeah, it's just the way it works. That's kind of the fun yep. part about the NFL, really. So Sure. Yeah, I'm good with it. I'm good with it. All right, buddy. Talk to you soon. Th- thanks all a right, lot. Thank you, Neil. Bye. All right.